Welcome back to the Horse Around Podcast. Andy Lindahl and Andrew Mason. Together we make either Andy Mason or Andrew Lindahl, however you'd like to do it. I've been saying Paxton Simeon and Trevor Lynch as I try to combine the two quarterbacks as well, Andrew, but uh, you're now back. Tell us how the week in San Francisco was and what did we learn in this game? Well, it was a good week. Uh, you know, the obviously exceptionally spirited practices at times, especially when tempers kind of boiled over uh, on Thursday uh, when there were fights on both on both fields. You had the Broncos offense against the Niners defense on one field and the Niners offense against the or Niners defense against the Broncos offense on the other field and it got uh, testy. But uh, that tends to happen in these uh, joint practices. So the key was kind of keeping things under control and not letting it get completely out of hand to be something that ultimately destroyed the practices and it didn't. And then you know, it was funny. You know, we all talked about the quarterbacks. Pax and Lynch had a couple of good days of practice, I thought, and then went out in the game and, uh, you know, had, he did some good things with his feet. That was something Vance Joseph pointed out in his post-game press conference. Uh, a nice little 12-yard scramble on a, on third and 10. Good decision, good decision there. Uh, but... Uh, also, some not-so-good decisions in the passing game. Like, you go back to an early third down. Um, he's, got a little bit of, he's got a little bit of time in the pocket after C.J. Anderson picks up the rush. So it's a clean pocket, and he's got Demarius Thomas open uh, on a crossing route in front of him. Would have, been, would have gotten the first down and gotten some more yards beyond, beyond that. Instead, uh, throw, throws it downfield in, a, in the double coverage, trying to find Virgil Green. The pass is nearly intercepted. Now that's it. I mean, for you know, for all of uh, Lynch's ups and downs, you know, the narrative maybe is a little bit different if uh, Demarius Thomas isn't grabbed uh, uh, going deep uh, downfield on a pass that uh, so that certainly uh, could could have been potentially caught. But uh, in the end, you know, 39 yards on 13 attempts, and and really a night that was a night of missed opportunities for Paxton Lynch, and then Trevor Simeon comes in late in the second quarter. Looks very smooth. Was working behind a first-team offensive line. Alan Barber was uh, uh, shifting in at uh, left guard because he and Max Garcia were splitting first-team reps there. Looked really smooth running the two-minute drill. Uh, Hick Jordan Taylor adjusted to uh, uh, where the cornerback was. Uh, Asa Jackson on the play. Uh, Jackson was playing inside, so Taylor's outside, and uh, Simeon hits him. Taylor with a nice, nice adjustment on the ball mid-flight. Allowed him to overcome a a 10-yard holding penalty called by Garrick Bowles that wiped out a touchdown on the previous series. So, I mean, we'll see if a decision is coming, but uh, if games are going to be weighted uh, more heavily than practices, you'd have to be, give up both games to Trevor Simeon at this point. Look, I'm going to – I, you know, it's an interesting thing because um, I think Paxton was just playing ball for the first time Maybe all preseason. Looked a little more comfortable to me. Didn't look perfect. I'm not trying to say that. Uh, but I do feel like when he was running, I thought a couple of times he just played was just playing a little bit of football. Now that said, when you look at Trevor Simeon, to me, he looks like the incumbent starter. That, I don't know what else to say. You know, He looks like the guy that started for the team last year. He looks like the guy that has a level of comfort. He looks like he's getting a level of comfort, honestly, with this offense. But... Um, for me, Andrew, the case was made that with Trevor Simeon, if you start the year with him, 
I think, A, you got to start with him and see how far you can get. We all know that if there's a bad first half of the season, I have a feeling Paxton Lynch is going to get a chance to play anyway. First half of the season is so critical. You and I have covered that so many times, that the pace, the energy, the way the ball moved. Now, San Francisco's not a great team either, so let's all – I don't know that they're that bad defensively, but they could knock it out of their own way turning the ball over last night, so we'll all take a breath there. But I I, just for me – that's how the offense has got to look the opening night against the L.A. Chargers. Now, I've been watching a couple of the L.A. Chargers preseason games, and I'm not quite sure what they're going to look like when they show up either. I would say things are not quite as smooth on the Anthony Lynn ship as they've been on the uh, Vance Joseph sh- ship. And let's be honest about it, Vance Joseph has been dealing with more controversies than Anthony Lynn has. So for me, Andrew, I think Trevor's got to get that first crack at being the starter right now. And I think we've got to see if Paxton's not the starter, you got to get after it again, young man. I don't want to hear C.J. Anderson, Anderson saying that you checked out of your playbook like you did earlier in training camp about Paxton last year. So hopefully Paxton, if he isn't the starter, studies and is ready to come back in because you and I both know, depending on how that first part of the schedule goes, it's anyone's guess how often, how long the first starter of the season remains the starter. Yeah, and, and don't forget, I mean, the bottom line is Trevor Simeon did have two injuries last year. So until you prove you can get through a full 16-game schedule without being hurt, that's going to be a concern in the back of your mind. And don't forget, then you go back to the to uh, his senior season at Northwestern, and he has the torn ACL. So you just look at the last at you know the last uh, at the last 15 games that Trevor Simeon has started. I mean, obviously, okay, that's kind of a cherry pick sample because I'm just going back to the last game he played in college, but he's got three injuries. So that's something that he's going to have to overcome. He's going to have, you know, he's going to have to show that he can get through a season without missing some time, without suffering those injuries, or he's going to get tagged with that dreaded label injury prone. And, the reason I mention that is because, you know, you have a young, a young, reshuffled offensive line. Garrett Bowles at left tackle on Saturday. You know, he he had some holding penalties. Now, you'd rather have a hold than you know a guy getting beat and your quarterback getting clobbered. You know, you can recover from a ten-yard holding penalty. And in fact, on two of those three holding penalties, the Broncos did get out of it you know credit to credit to lynch and simeon both of them got the broncos out uh you know you know got the broncos out of a long yardage situation it was a first and goal from the 19 after after a hold and lynch had a first and had a had a first and 20 after a hold on bowls and both of them got out of it which is sort of proves again why if 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 you're going to have the quarterback get hurt or the hole, you'd always rather have the hold. But I know Bowles was frustrated with some of the calls, and uh, you know I think part of that's just adjusting the next level. But it's a reminder that this offensive line is going to be a work in progress and that there's going to be a chance that Simeon uh, does get hit, and at some point you might have to see Paxton Lynch. And then you, will have to fit, you may have to figure things out from there. So, you know, if Simeon does get the job, and I think we can all say we expect Trevor Simeon to be named the starter at some point in the near future, just because of what he's done in the games and in the practices, the body of work is better than that of Paxton Lynch at this point. I think that there's really a, it's really hard to debate that. 
based on what we've seen. But uh, think of all the work that the, the invaluable work that Lynch has gotten working with the ones, splitting the reps with Trevor Simeon at this point. And there's a decent chance that that work is going to prove very valuable if the Broncos have to start Lynch at some point this year, whether it's because of a Simeon injury or whether it's because the team does struggle early and uh, it at, and at some point does turn to Paxton Lynch. So there, there's a lot that there's a lot down the line. There's a lot of possibilities, good and bad, that uh, we can't see. We can't, you know, that you, you can't project, but to, you do have to kind of mentally prepare for. And they're a bit better. Pre- and if, if Simeon is the week one starter, but they have to turn a Paxton Lynch down the line, they're better prepared for. It. And I think better prepared to run a game plan that plays to Paxton Lynch's strengths than they were before all of this. Look, and here's the bottom line. I think it's funny because you started talking about Garrett Bowles and get the hold rather than get the quarterback hit and on and on and on, and I agree with all that. But I think you also brought out one of the things, and and uh, Brian Greasy commented on it in his in his color commentary about the quick release of Trevor Simeon helping his offensive line out. As you talk about the two young tackles, and, and look, Andrew, I don't know how it's going to work out. We could see a more veteran middle of the line if all of a sudden Alan Barber's in there. Matt Paradis returns, Ron Leary's in the mix. Maybe even Ron Leary goes back to left guard and because Barber can play both spots. I mean, it could be very intriguing to see how this works out. McGovern's look good at center. You know, there's a guy that could play guard if you want more of the road grade on the left on the right side. But uh, look, my point being, Trevor Simeon, I think there's undervalued qualities. And I understand the Paxton Lynch faithful wanting their first round pick to play. I get that. Andrew and I have been uh, fans of other teams growing up, Andrew of Tampa Bay, myself of the Denver Broncos. I won't lie. I once upon a time in high school was the kid curious about Tommy Maddox. Was John Elway really old? Dan Reeves said he was, you know, we got to start thinking about this. We brought Tommy Maddox in. Is this kid any good? I kind of want to see him. I kind of wonder what's going on. We've all been there. That's what happens when you draft a quarterback in particular first round. But I hope, because like you, I expect, and I think we've been pretty clear on this podcast, I think we've sort of been handicapping this race towards Trevor minus the first week of uh, mini camp or training camp when he seemed to get off to the slow start. But for the most part, you and I have sort of been pretty upfront about saying we thought it'd be Trevor. Um, I hope the fans that, that didn't want Trevor, and we see you on on Twitter out there, I hope you're just ready to back him. And I hope you're just ready to be a Bronco fan again because this has been the most divisive quarterback battle I've ever seen. And I, Andrew, you and I have talked about it before. It just continues to kind of dumbfound me how this fan base seems so divided. I mean, the, the bottom line is these guys are both Broncos and you should just be ready to ride with whoever you get. It, they're divided about the quarterbacks. They're, you know, if, if, if you say anything bad about, who their quarterback has to be, some fans will yell at you and say that you're biased. I mean, it's just the level of absurdity that the public discourse on this subject has reached in the last few months is is colossal. And, you know, I'd like to think that, and I think most of Broncos country will rally behind Trevor Simeon and wish, and certainly, I mean, everyone wants to win. But, look, I, I'm, I'm also a realist, and I also know how people tend to get when things go bad. Bert, if Trevor Simeon throws an interception in week one, 
those people are those the, a lot of those people are going to come out and start saying told you so you know it and i know it yep and, and i i, I had unfortunately i have no i have no illusions about it about any about anything different you know i don't really you know i don't i don't have the greatest faith in human nature at times um i wish i did i wish i did have a better faith in human nature but uh i do think uh there are certainly going to be some pockets that uh, do not let this thing go, and that at the at the at even the slimmest indication of trouble, start hollering for a start hollering for you know for their guy to go in the lineup. I mean, look, I remember week six of 2012 when the Broncos were behind the the Chargers at halftime, and. People were, and, and I remember, and I remember on my Twitter feed, people were tweeting at me. Um, oh well, they should have stuck with Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that's just that's just that that's how a certain segment of every team's fan base is, and that's just not going to change. Well, and Andrew, I want to also put a, to add to that because you and I both lived through that, and I had to laugh. I used to go on national interviews and. Uh, tell them, yeah, there isn't, because people would say, man, Peyton Manning must be the only one that's got Bronco country happy about, um, or the Bronco fan base happy about Tim Tebow leaving. That must have been the only move you could make. And I, I would tell these national programs, no, there's a big, there, there is a segment of the fan base that still wants Tim Tebow, and they laugh out loud. People just don't understand what the quarterback environment here is. But and I can think of a couple guys on Twitter in particular. I won't name them, but I could. Um, because I've seen Broncos country basically go after these guys. Do you know what? They, they Both guys don't live in town and basically try to cherry-pick information off of other people's Twitter feeds and then try to pass themselves off as experts, which drive both of us nuts anyway. But I've now seen the narrative kind of come out where, oh, you know what? They're both – neither one of them are any good. Neither one of them is a long-term future. Neither one of them – you know what? If you were rooting against Trevor A., I don't know why you were anyway. He was your incumbent starter last year. He got you eight of the nine wins. And frankly, we've said all along, had he just put first-round draft pick by his name and had that season last year, nobody would have been griping about it. But it's the it's the environment he has to live under. Don't act like both Paxton Lynch right now is not a bust, and Trevor Simeon doesn't stink too because you're upset Paxton didn't win. And for everybody out there, I'd throw one more thing. Quit calling Trevor a seventh-rounder. He's an incumbent starter. That that's driving me nuts. He's in, an incumbent starter for a team that was in the wild card race till the last month of the season. So let's stop with the seventh round selection. That hasn't mattered for two training camps, you know. And frankly, Kyle Sloter's doing some things to show you that a training camp arm, which is what people thought he would be, can make an NFL roster as well. Because if it's not here, I'm positive somebody will minimum put him on their practice squad. If Denver doesn't do the same, so I, I just want to stop all this venom about the quarterback position. Let's get ready for the season. Yeah, the, with every passing year, you are on an NFL roster. Your draft status means less and less. I mean, look. I mean, now Rod Smith wore the undrafted label with as a badge of honor. It was a motivation for him, but didn't. Did anyone ever say? Did anyone ever come? You know, come, for all the get complaints about Ashley and Lee for various reasons, but no one ever said, "Oh, Ashley and Lee is terrible because he can't beat out Rod Smith for snaps because Rod Smith was undrafted and Ashley and Lee was a first rounder." Bradley Roby, who's actually saved some games going back to 2015, yeah. if you think about the pickup of the Jamal Charles fumble in Kansas City, 
That kid has been an outstanding first-rounder, in my estimation, and is going to get a nice second contract. He can't beat out undrafted free agent Chris Harris, but nobody cries about that. You know why? They're both great players, so stop putting – and I'm not – look, is Trevor a great player yet? No. But Trevor, you everybody that's near the team keeps saying neither one of these quarterbacks is a finished product. I can't wait to see what a year with Bill Butt Musgrave does for that whole quarterback room. Yeah, and, and and what this offense does for Trevor Simeon, an offense that gets the ball out faster, an offense that allows him to to go to to be in the shotgun more because you know for all the talk about hey Paxton Lynch you know he you know he he's more comfortable in the shotgun because he did it at Memphis. Trevor Simeon did a lot of shotgun spread stuff in Northwestern and was very good in it at times. So uh, those looks, those quick reads, they can help him. And bring out the best in him, just as much as they they could have, they can bring out the best in Paxton Lynch. And in fact, I, I can look at a couple of plays on Saturday in particular, where you know where you're, you're in the we're in your, you're in the two minute, and you know just perfect, just perfect reads, perfect perfect reads of the defense, perfect placement of the ball, I mean, relative to where the, the defender was, including the touchdown of Taylor. I mean, you, you can't do it any better. You know, you can't do it any better than that. I actually saw someone who tweeted at me that the pass to Taylor was a terrible throw. And I'm thinking, what on earth are you watching? What I mean, I, I think some of these people are just delusional, Andy. I really do. I just they're they're so delusional. They're so wrapped up in what their opinion is and what their preconceived notion is that they can't see the reality of what's in front of them. That they're blinded to it. But I think I mean we could say we could we could talk about that with politics or anything else. It's just it's in our backyard because we cover the Broncos. We deal with sports, so we have to deal with this. Well, it, you're right. It's it's a it's you know what? I'd love to do a sociology class in college and just talk about Twitter, the social media on and on and on and what it's done to all sections of society, not just the sports fan part of it. And you know what the problem is? We all have a look, you and I both know. And I, here's our here's our old man advice for you under 30-year-olds out there. Just because you've had the thought doesn't mean you should put it somewhere where it can be found later on. Go ahead have the thought, live with it in some cases, and don't express it right away. Because you know what, especially during a football game, if I'd have tweeted what I thought about certain drives at some points and then watched what the final score was, especially when you go back to 2013 at times, we'd all look foolish. So just just remember that before you get angry and send a tweet. Uh, we'll get off our soapboxes. Again, you and I expecting Trevor to be the starter, and I imagine a majority of Broncos country is going to support him because they did it last year, and I think we know that. Let's talk some running backs. Um, I'm very curious to see Jamal Charles against Green Bay. I yes. really don't even know that I have a problem if Jamal Charles is on the roster when we start the year, but I got to say, if I'm the GM, you got CJ. You got, I mean, my plan would be CJ. For sure, um, you've got D'Angelo Henderson. For sure, I'm keeping Stephen Ridley. I'm keeping Andy Janovich. Um, I'm probably going to put on the pup Devonte Booker, and I'm probably ninety percent of me says keep Jamal Charles. But I got to be honest with you, Jawan Thompson is sort of intriguing. What could he do in this offense? Could he be that fullback that you need it like he was last year when Janovich goes down? I really don't know. You could probably use a tight end like that. But th this team has a luxury, I would say, of options when it comes down to the running back position. But I, I continue to love the work that Stephen Ridley does. Oh, and the thing is, I mean, it's not—it's it's not just the power. But he last week 
watching him practice the speed he showed to the edge, I, I was, I was, I wasn't really surprised by it because I, I've seen the practice in the practices at uh, at the UC Health Training Center in the last several weeks. But just the fact that he continues to show it day after day after day, and then he goes out in the games and just and just adds on to it, show, demonstrates that uh, he this isn't a flash and that. He's clearly got something left in the tank. C.J. Anderson, I thought, coming out of the blocks, had a really strong game. I think you'll get the yards per carry, and it's it's deceptive because you had those three rushes at the goal line, and I think uh, on I think those first two, those first, the first and goal and second and the goal, I think you could have, you could have argued that he was actually over the goal line on maybe both of those plays. Frankly, I thought so. And then, and then and then he got in on the third. So I, I don't look at that. I look, I look at the work he did. I look at the work he did get, getting getting to the holes in midfield. Nice work from Alan Barber on one of those runs as well. You know, helping spring him. But also on the play that Paxton missed to Virgil Green, outstanding job picking up the blitz on that play to give Lynch the time that he needed to at least look downfield and get the throw off. And that's, and that's part of what CJ Anderson does so well. He's the best guy in that room at picking up a blitz. I mean, he's because he has the background in this offense in from 2013 and 2014, when Adam Gates was here and building off of what Mike McCoy had installed before that, that makes him invaluable in that room and he's still the best overall blend of talent you know rushing ability the ability to make a guy miss pass protection you know ability the ability to catch passes out of the backfield but the depth you have there it allows you to kind of conserve him a bit and maybe you can avoid having the injuries that have caught up to him in the past few years and maybe you've got a better chance of keeping him healthy for all 16 games because of the depth you're talking about with a Ridley, with a Henderson, with Jamal Charles, if he holds up well next week against against Green Bay, and Devontae Booker on the pup. I mean, that's an interesting. It's an interesting thought. The only problem is, then you delay his availability, you know, to late October, early November, even though he might be healed long before then. But you've got this roster crunch, and it's something maybe you have to think about in order to get everyone on the roster and also knowing that natural attrition at running back means you may lose one of those guys anyway. And that's where the roster spot might come from. Well, and I'll tell you this though, if we're going to talk about that, cause you know what I noticed on the Trevor Simeon touchdown to Jordan Taylor, that was allegedly a bad throw. I say snarkily, um, <laughs> Steven Ridley, Steven Ridley got in there and had a good blitz pickup there as well, yep. provided some protection. I love the way you talked about the power. You know what else I noticed? Ridley on a, a couple of those first down short yardage carries does a great job of just tucking by behind his lineman, taking a couple shuffles, buying the yardage needed. You know what I mean? Like he didn't yeah. go bursting into the line impatiently. He just kind of picked his way through the hole and he found it. And then what else do you, you don't need to say anything about the first touchdown of the drive Trevor Simeon threw before the Garrett Bowles holding call where uh-huh. D'Angelo Henderson, that was a video game move. That was Glenn Milburn-like with the power that C.J. Anderson brings. I mean, that kid is special. So I, I point all this out because Andy Janovich showing his worth in the offense last night, blocking as well. Mm-hmm. With uh, Let's just ask the tough question, Andrew. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I was very excited about the Jamal Charles signing. I'm not telling you that I'm not excited about it anymore. 
But when you watch Stephen Ridley in particular play, who also is coming back from a knee injury, and you see the burst, and you see the power, and you see everything that you've talked about, the speed to the outside, at some point, don't you have to make, I know they've been cautious, and Vance Joseph said it's been his doing, and I believe him 100%, but don't you at some point, maybe this week, need to let Jamal go every day and see if the normal workload allows him to be okay or if that knee gets sore because Andrew I can't get out of the back of my head the end of Terrell Davis's career where he came into the year saying everything's fine and I feel great and by the first week or two of the season he wasn't great anymore and the knee wasn't right anymore and I think you can't risk Jamal Charles having that sort of damage to his knee yeah and I think that may well be the plan for this week given the fact that this is the dress rehearsal week uh, based on previous years so You've got a game on – the game is on a Saturday as opposed to a Sunday, but uh, this is where you go with the regular season schedule in terms of the length of practice, the style of practice, working against a scout team uh, every day rather than uh, ones against ones and twos against twos. So right down the line, it would be logical to have Jamal Charles practice and practice extensively every day and then – Get him to the game and give him a, a, a good a good run and see where the knee is and, and find out if he can handle the kind the kind of wear and tear of a of, of what he would see in the regular season of practicing Wednesday, practicing Thursday, practicing Friday, and then playing on Sunday. Even though I imagine if he did make the team, they'd probably kind of give him some some rest days from time to time in the regular season. But still, you need to find out his endurance. You need to find out how how he cuts in in, in in a game situation. You need to find out what he does in traffic. It's I think this this week, uh, I'm not sure that there's many guys on the roster who have more on the line this week than Jamal Charles. Well, and look, Andrew, uh, Stephen Ridley plays special teams. I mean, that's another factor you've got to put in with this because, you know, it, let's say you go heavy at running back to keep Jamal Charles long enough to figure out what he does have. I mean, think about that. You could be cutting a guy like Juwan Thompson, who is a special teams guy. And, I mean, I look, I don't know about you. Do you see – am I just too – I just have been so impressed with Ridley, and I love his story. I love how focused the guy is, and I've said that before. I just feel like that guy's on this team right now. And, and you know, look, he may be on the team. And there's a chance one of these talented backs we're, we're loving up right now May not even get a uniform game day because that's how 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 talented and crowded that backfield could be. But it, I don't know. It, it's fascinating to me. If you had in, well, I'm not going to ask you to do that yet. We need to watch a couple more preseason games and we'll do the who's on the roster thing. But but I don't know, Andrew. It's intriguing at running back. I, I don't. Where is your read on the tight ends? There's a lot of guys that I I like just as guys. A.J. Derby's a great kid. I love Virgil Green. I've really enjoyed covering him. And I think that's a guy that makes the team. I'm hoping Hireman can finally show us what made him the second-round pick in the first place. Uh, that's just been kind of so-so for me. Uh, what's your assessment as far as that tight end position? Because for all the talent and tough decisions we're talking about at running back, I think you may know who your three tight ends are, but I, it doesn't feel like it's been as competitive. Am I missing something? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think you know who the three guys are, but at the same time, you wish you could kind of mash up their skills and get it, get them all into one guy. And unfortunately for the Broncos, they don't have that. They have three separate guys, and so you've got to make sure that when they're out there, 
it's not a tell for what you're going to do. And um, the other thing, I mean, long term, it just it just feels like all this is a brace to Jake Butt. That you don't want to rush Jake Butt. And I do think that if and when he gets out there this year, um, I don't think you see him playing extensively. And if he does get into games later on this season, maybe it's red zone only or third down only. Maybe it's you know just it's it's a it's a fairly judicious use of him. But I think we all kind of see the score and the long term plan at the position. And the long term plan at the position is number eighty, who has, who still has yet to take his first his first practice step, but. You know, was clearly was clearly graded high. They feel like they got a a first early second round talent. You know, they look. This was an exceptional year for tight ends in the draft. I mean, I would I've called it the eighty three quarterback class of tight ends, and the Broncos were fortunate enough to find someone who was a potential first rounder if he didn't have the ACL. So now it's a matter of making sure that he's healthy. And he's confident enough on that knee to uh, to get the most out of him for the long term, and ensure that that pick is every bit the steal that we all think it is. But for now, it's like I feel like you're just trying to get to to, to get get that bridge to the point where Jake Butt is ready, whether it's this year or whether or, or fully ready uh, next year, and so. That's just kind. Of, that's just kind of where they are, and it and it may well be that uh, you know we see tight ends on, on the field, but maybe they maybe they they don't get uh, used extensively. Maybe maybe it's a uh, more uh, two. Maybe it's more two back set. Maybe two back sets. Maybe you're flanking uh, the quarterback in the backfield in the shotgun with two tailbacks from time to time, and having one stay in and protect, and one go out for a route, or sometimes two go both go out for a route that wouldn't surprise me we've seen the patriots uh do some of that in their iteration of this offense there's a lot so that there's there's a lot of possibilities a lot of chess pieces and uh maybe it's going to be a little bit uh less conventional than we all had in mind uh, when this when this whole thing started in regards to the use of tight ends and how they end up fitting in well andrew we'll definitely have to talk a little more defense on the next podcast although you know last night was such a weird night with the Niners screwing up the ball all the time. I don't even know what read we got off of it. So there'll be plenty more when we when we reconvene and break down a Packer game where you know the defense is going to get a lot better look to regular season football. Yeah, the only read we got is the fact that you had a defense that had a lot of backups out there. I think it was uh, you were basically down seven starters. And, yeah, the San Francisco offense was sloppy, immolated itself from time to time. Uh, think The thing the he wasn't mentioned that much because Vance Joseph did mention uh, uh, Zach Kerr in the post game. But uh, one thing I noticed right away was whenever San Francisco tried to block Domita Pecco with one guy, when they ran, Pecco usually was the one responsible for blowing up the play. You can't take, even at this stage of his career, you still can't take care of him with one blocker. You need two guys. And that's why he's here. He, because if he if he occupies multiple blockers, you're opening things up 
inside backers and others to attack the run. That's the that that was that's the equation of Domata Pecco. That's why the Broncos signed him. And yet he can't play every down, but uh, he can play a, a good chunk of base package downs. And on Saturday night, watching him out there, I thought I, it just reminded me. That's why he's here because on those occasions when he did get singled, he's bursting into the backfield or he's moving laterally across the line of scrimmage and he's making sure the run doesn't get past him. That's why Domitop Pecco's here. All right, Andrew. Well, it's going to be fun to break down the Green Bay game. And, of course, we'll be back at some point during the week to break down the quarterback decision, which I think we all think will be announced tomorrow. But tomorrow being Monday, you may be hearing this on a Monday. Today then would be the case. But the bottom line is we'll see when it comes. Vance Joseph, John Elway, making sure everybody knew they are not feeling that they're tied to any deadline to name a quarterback. But I think even if one isn't officially named in the next couple days, the starter that's announced for the game, you'll know is getting a nod regardless of how this works out. That'll do it for the Horse and Round podcast. Join us later in the week. For Andrew Mason, I'm Andy Lindahl. Talk to you then.